0: Let's pray. Father, we uh, stand here having partaken from the Lord's table, from this commemoration of what Jesus has done for us. We sang in that song that we were ransomed. We know that our salvation uh, was not free, it was free to us, but it cost Jesus everything. Uh, He took the sins of the world, our sins, and everybody else's upon Himself. Uh, He suffered all so that we might have all thank you for making that possible uh, thank you for uh, your mercy we're gonna talk about that today thank you for your grace uh, which uh, takes us to the the point that many of us in here find ourselves if we have faith in you you've forgiven us of our sins that's that's your mercy but you've you've given us the kingdom in a future with you that's your grace thank you so much as we turn now to your word Uh, We're going to open it uh, in anticipation that you're going to teach us how to uh, do this life the way you intended it. We're going to ask, God, that you'd open our minds and our hearts to change, uh, that we'd hear your Holy Spirit and the words that are spoken here, not the words of some man, Uh, that we'd walk out of here uh, ready to do life differently, better, uh, and for you. We ask, God, that these offerings that we take now be used for your glory, uh, that you'd uh, use us for your glory. And uh, we just want to say again, God, uh, how much we love you and how in all we are are of you. Uh, You're amazing and your grace abounds to us. Thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name that I pray these things. And everybody said, amen. amen and amen. Have a seat. Today we're going to talk about mercy. Everybody turn to someone next to you and say, today we're going to talk about mercy. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's starting right now. I used to play this game called mercy with my dad growing up. My dad was a piano player. He was a, 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 a pastor in churches. He led the choirs and did a lot, everything else that the other pastor didn't want to do. It was usually him and another guy. The, the one guy preached, my dad did everything else. Uh, but my dad... Was a, was, a, was a boss pianist. He, he could just play uh, like nobody's business. And, and he had these sausage-sized fingers, okay, because he played uh, the piano and the organ so much. And so he would, uh, in, in you know, establishing dominance over me growing up, he would say, hey, you want to play Mercy? And so the way you play, anybody play Mercy? Put your hands up like this, right? And then you clasp hands, and, and the object of the game is to bend wrists to try to get the other person to, to say what? Mercy, yeah, it's it's well named. It's a good game. Uh, my dad wouldn't even bend my wrist, though. He would just take his sausage fingers and he would clamp down on my fingers, like almost slicing them off, you know. And uh, and it was like, you know, as a young boy, I'd be like, yeah, come on, old man, I'll play you. And in three seconds in, I'd be like, <laughs> mercy. Uh, I remember the day. Finally, the day I finally beat my my. Does anybody remember, the, guys? You got to know the days that you got stronger than your dad, bigger than your dad. The days when you would wrestle and he'd be like, hey, 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 someone's gonna get hurt. Right? I remember all those days, and I still remember the day that I finally beat my dad in mercy. It was great. And I didn't stop. Just so you know, he yelled mercy, and I just kept going. I'm like, years and years, bro. It's all coming out right now. Then I, yeah. It's a favorite topic of uh, pop artists, Marvin Gaye, oh, mercy, mercy me, right? Anybody remember that one? No, oh, I'm not, that's all I know. That's all I'm saying. It's worked into our uh, more modern music. Uh, A lady named Duffy say, I'm begging you for mercy. And then Shawn Mendes, some of you youngers know him. I don't. My daughter said he sings a song about mercy. I don't know what it is. But anyway, everybody in their culture is familiar with the concept, but they're unclear on what God initially intended with this word, this idea, this concept called mercy. I'm going to just kind of. Spring the whole sermon on you right now. If you got to get the lunch, you can leave after I'm done this first part here. But uh, I'm basically going to be telling you two things. We're, we're supposed to extend mercy to one another. The, the verse we're going to learn today is Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy is supposed to be a part of our lives. In fact, I will tell you this uh, since we're borrowing slogans and artwork from uh, corporations, I figured we'd steal Dunkin' Donuts. If America runs on Dunkin', uh, a family runs on mercy. A family truly does. And I, I, listen, I'm not saying it's the only thing, but it is certainly the fuel. Here's why. We've already established in this series that uh, the family was God's idea, all right? God made families, uh, made the man, made the woman, told them to go forth and multiply. Uh, the whole concept is his. Sin, though, has messed it up. Agreed? I mean, if, even if you're sitting here as a single person, if, if you, uh, you know, maybe you're are in a, a situation where you're not near your family as much or whatever, you're at a different stage of life and you're kind of like, I wish you could get over this family series. L- listen, relationships, just go broad, not just in your house or in your home or in your family, but relationships in general. They've all been marred by sin. They're broken. They're, or, or if they're not broken now, they're just waiting to be broken. And this is the craziest stuff that can send relationships arise. It's just One person being selfish and the other person reacting selfishly to that person being selfish and selfish, 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 selfish. selfish. Boom! Right? That's how relationships go. And so, in a broken world, guess what is absolutely necessary for relationships to continue? Starts with M. Sounds like mercy. Mercy. There's got to be a lot of mercy because there's a lot of messy that requires mercy. See, if you want to picture mercy this way, messy leads to misery, which requires mercy. And so your families run on mercy. If you have a healthy family, it's because you guys have figured out whether you've been to or not, whether it's just been intuitive or the grace of God or you intentionally have sought to do this, you've learned to show compassion to each other and to forgive each other. That's what mercy does. Those are the two things. In fact, if you want to go, those are the two things I'm going to be telling you all morning. Mercy is, it's it's got an objective side. The objective side of mercy says, hey, if someone is in misery, in fact, this word that we're reading here in the the verse that we're going to read in Matthew 5-7, the Greek word is eleos. Everybody say eleos. Eleos. Elios is the word for mercy, but it comes from, stems from other words that basically mean to show compassion to someone in the midst of their misery, to alleviate pain. So a huge side of, of this idea of, that we're talking about today called mercy is that when I see pain, I want to do something about it. I want to step outside of my own selfishness, out of my own self-preservation, and I want to be uh, the healer, the provider for someone who's in misery. I was, uh, I was at UCF with my son Cooper. He's considering going there after he finishes up at HCC. We're very proud of him. He's almost done with that two-year degree. So we're trying to figure out where we're going to park him next. And and we went to UCF. We did uh, did a tour of UCF uh, a week and a half ago at 1 o'clock in the afternoon in Orlando, Florida. (laughs) Bad call. Just a bad call. It was the only one that was going to happen for the next two months, though, as they shut down things for the summer, so we had to go. Uh, But we went, and immediately as I got out of the truck and started to sweat, walking to the orientation room, I I knew this was a bad call. Got in there, uh, sat down. They played the video that they always play at these kinds of things about how their university is the best one. And, um, and then in, in she came, this, this young lady. I, I don't remember her name, uh, but she was late. She was going to take the tour with us. Uh, but it was noticeable right away that she uh, had uh, debilitated. She, was, she, she had some disabilities, and so she was kind of trudging in. Her, her left arm was feeble, and she was dragging her left leg. And she sat down, and she was a delightful young lady. Said hi to everybody. Oh, I'm so sorry I'm late. Couldn't find the place. Ha, 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 laughter, laughter. Uh, and then uh, we started doing the tour. Well, it, it was about three miles of walking. UCF just sprawls all over the place. And so early in the process, I realized she's not going to be able to keep up. She just can't, physically unable. Uh, The rest of the families and their kids, the daughters and sons who are asking all the questions of these young UCF students who are leading the tour, uh, they just kind of went up there. Cooper walked a little bit ahead of me. Uh, But I'm a father, all right? And this, this young lady was here without parents. And uh, I could tell she was laboring. The first stop, she asked for a bottle of water. I mean, we'd only gone a little bit, and she's already thirsty. So I just made this, like, unconscious, subconscious mental note. I'm with her. I'm going to hang back. Uh, at one point, I wanted to carry her. I thought that would be a little weird. <laughs> hey, sis, listen. <laughs> I, know, I know you don't know me, but I'll firemen carry you through this whole thing if you want me to. <laughs> And I'm not downing on anybody else in the group or anything like that. Everybody was there for their things. But it quickly went from me caring about what UCF is about to me caring that this girl got through. don't say, oh, Mark, you're awesome, because I'm not. (laughs) This does not always happen. (laughs) But in this particular instance, the Holy Spirit in me was flowing through me and out of me in the form of mercy. And I was seeking to just have compassion on this girl. We got to uh, to their sports complex and everything's up on the top floor, and we're all hiking up these stairs. And I said, sis, there's got to be an elevator. Let's find you one. And so she popped on the elevator. I went to the kid who was you know, leading the tour. I said, hey, that girl who's been a mile behind you the whole tour, she's in the elevator. You're going to go get her. And I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with the other one that's leading the tour. Yes, sir. All right. And that's how we got her done. But in those, Listen, don't know her, still don't know her found out as we were walking uh, six years ago she had a stroke and that's how she got to where she is and uh, what flowed out of me that day is what should flow out of you in regards to your family members and some of you are like well they're you know, it's so much easier to be nice to, to a stranger um, <laughs> but that, that same concern and mercy that just happens to us we'll see someone and it'll just stir in us something that's God wanting to get out And his mercy should flow through us. There's that that objective side, and then there's that subjective side. The objective side says, I'm going to care for someone, show compassion to someone who, who hasn't messed with me. I don't know anything about their mess, I just see them, they're in misery, and I want to alleviate it. The subjective side says, There is someone in my life who has definitely messed with me, they've sought to harm me and hurt me with their words or actions. But because God is in me, I'm going to extend to them the forgiveness that God has granted me and give them mercy. I was riding in a school bus with my uh, sister. We were on our way to a a retreat. We were in high school in a high school ministry. And so we were in the back of this dark school bus uh, as we were heading up there late after school one day uh, in the winter. And uh, we were joking and laughing. My sister Kirsten and I. Uh, Still are are great friends, and we both love to have a good time. And so we were in the middle of this pack of kids as high schoolers and laughing and joking. And I said something particularly funny. And as we were sitting across the bus aisle, Kirsten's knees were next to my knees, and we were all kind of huddled in. And she went to laugh and slap her knee uh, as part of, you know, her laughter because she's just demonstrative that way. And when she she slapped, she turned, and she hit me there, okay? (laughs) Like full swing. Just... Pow. Just one of those, oh. And and if you've ever been hit there, fellas, I don't know what your reaction is, but I swing. (laughs) I'm just going to swing. And so in the dark, I went to protect myself and I swung with a closed fist and I caught my sister with my right hand on the left side of her face and I broke her glasses. It all happened in like three seconds. Wham! Pow! And the whole bus just went quiet. The whole bus was like, the pastor's kids are totally fighting. (laughs) But of course it had been a mistake. We had just been laughing moments earlier. And so as my sister's face is bleeding and I'm all, we both immediately start saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because we knew it was a mistake. And she had a black eye the rest of the weekend. It was a great... (laughs) But that's a funny one, maybe, or a funnier one. Certainly there are times in our families where we um, fail each other and it's not intentional. Maybe those are the easy I'm sorry's and I forgive you's. But then there's the times where it's not by mistake. It's very much intended to hurt. Uh, We say things to our family members that we would never say outside our homes. Uh, we play emotional games and uh, manipulate and pick and beat down in all kinds of ways, those that God has given us to love in our family relationships, and and this is why mercies is so important, It's because uh, for whatever reason, we're comfortable to be mean to those closest to us. And... Uh, I don't know if you've ever had to say sorry to your kids. As a dad, I've had to apologize to my kids way too many times. You've ever had to uh, sit down and confess things to your spouse and seek their forgiveness? Those are hard. But I'll tell you what right now, I'll skip to the end, the families that learn to do that and do it well, the families that forgive each other and move on, those are the families that have what God intends for them to have in their relationships with each other see mercy is one of those things that jesus asks his followers to to do here in matthew chapter 5 and so we've been reading this uh, text all along it's called the beatitudes if you're here for the first time we've been just talking about these these blessings beatitude is a Is a Latin word that just means blessing, and we've been talking about these blessings that Jesus confers or hopes for in his people, his followers, and and we're we're understanding that they basically uh, comprise his character. This is who Jesus is, and he hopes that will be this too. He says uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 5, Matthew says that seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, and here comes the blessings. The first one is this. And we did some motions. Anybody remember the motions? We're not going to stand up and do them right now because I don't want it to get old. Uh, but if you know the motions, do the motions. What's the first one? Blessed are the what? Pour in spirit for theirs of... Can smile? Good. And then what's the second one? Blessed are those who... For they shall be... Third one? You're, you're kind of fading. You're fading on. me. Let's start this one again. What is it? For they shall, (laughs) still my favorite, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for, halo, righteousness, right? For they shall be satisfied. I'm going to teach you this one today we've already started talking about. it. Everybody ready? Make me the sign for blessed. Say blessed. Blessed are the, put your hands over your heart and then let it go out. Blessed are the merciful for they shall, and do this, receive mercy. Okay? One more time. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now these are the things we'll be talking about. These are the things that basically quantify and clarify the life that Christ lived and wants us to live. We we ask this question in each of our series. Now what must I do to be restored by Jesus? Because our assumption is, is that God wants to come into these families that he had the idea for that have been marred by sin and he, he wants to restore them but he doesn't wanna restore everybody else in your family and leave you alone of the times that's how people listen to preachers give me some good stuff that I can go to the people who are jerks in my life and tell them what they need to do No, he wants to deal with you and me he wants us to work on us and bring the very best follower of Christ that I can be to my family because he knows if I can do that, then I'll be a part of the solution and not the problem. So that's why he, he lists out these these blessings, these beatitudes. And we've learned from them. That, uh, first of all, it's a realization: I'm empty. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. I understand I have nothing uh, that is of worth to God in my relationship with Him. He does it all. And uh, conversely, I have nothing that I am able to bring in my flesh and in my own abilities to the relationships that I have here on earth. And God's got to do this through me. I'm empty. I'm poor in spirit. The reaction to that is is one of of emotion. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry that my sin gets in the way. And I'm certain that I don't want it to stay in the way. Lots of times, it's it's what needs to happen is we talk about mourning uh, so that we can be comforted. We have to to almost get angry at the sins in our lives so that we deal with them and and give them to God and, and seek to rectify them with his help. There's a mindset that comes from that, and that's that whole meekness thing. It's this picture of us being third. I know I'm a mess, I'm sorry for being a mess. I don't want to be a mess. So in my mind, when I look at the world, there's going to be God first, others second, and then me third. And I'm going to just try to live my my life by this credo. I'm third, I'm third, I'm third. God ahead of me, my family ahead of me. Even though I'm in a position as a human being uh, to demand my rights, I'll set that aside and seek to honor those in my life. The one we talked about last week It was basically this mission then that uh, once we've got all those things in place, uh, our our realization, our reaction, our mindset, then we go on this mission. The mission is simply, it's kind of a a heading for the whole thing. We want to hunger and thirst for righteousness, for Christ. We want to do life the Christ way. Seek him first. And then let everything else just kind of fall in place. It's how it's supposed to work. If I hunger for thirst and thirst for righteousness in my marriage or in my parenting or in my childing or in my other relationships, whether work, home, play, whatever, well, then things are going to start working out. And what, what we're going to see then is, is, is what's going to follow from there in, in the blessings. We're going to see these things like mercy, these methods pop up in how we deal with each other. This mercy thing uh, is, is what I told you before. I'm going to show compassion and I'm going to be forgiving. In my home. So let's answer this last question as we uh, come to a, an eventual close. What must I do to be merciful to my family? Well, those two things that I told you at the top: show show mercy. Blessed are those who are merciful; they shall be uh, uh, shown mercy. What must I do to be merciful to my family? First thing: show mercy to the through uh, to them through active compassion. God has always required mercy from us in our dealings with each other. In Micah 6, verse 8, the prophet there speaks of of the God life. Jesus hadn't entered the, the, the historical scene yet, but he was talking to the followers of God there in Israel. And he says, listen, God has shown you, O mortal, O man, what is good. This is the life you're supposed to live. And what does the Lord require of you? What's this life supposed to look like? You're supposed to act justly, and everybody say it with me, and love what? Mercy. And walk humbly with your God. It's kind of a, a, a rephrasing of the Beatitudes hunger and thirst for righteousness, act justly, love mercy, be merciful, uh, walk humbly. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. It's just, it's the message over and over again in the scriptures that this is how the life that we have been given is meant to be lived. Mercy's right in the middle of that sandwich, right in the middle of what Micah's instruction was to the people there. God wants us to be like him. And God, is everybody grateful for this? God's a merciful God. Is anybody grateful that your God has shown you mercy over and over and over again? Mercy, uh, this, this compassion that God shows us, this forgiveness that he grants us, it's how he is, it's who he is, and it's who he wants us to be. Now, we see it even in in what Christ accomplished for us on the cross. We just celebrated uh, his death and resurrection through communion, but these are the verses that basically help us understand the transaction that was brokered at the cross. It says, You were dead. Uh, Paul says this to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead in the trespasses and sins uh, in which you once walked. Uh, You were what? Dead. Not kind of dead. Not sputtering. Not deathbed not coma, you were gone, toast, unable to help yourselves, poor in spirit, dead. You were following the course of this world, you were following the prince of the power of the air, that's a code word, Satan, uh, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. He, he goes on and he says, among whom the spirit, uh, we all once lived in, in the passions of our, splash, of our flesh, Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of what? Wrath. Whose wrath? God's wrath. We deserved the wrath of God. I mean, we were caught dead to rights. He had us if he wanted us and was just in dealing with us in wrath. Just like the rest of mankind. Everybody was lumped into the same sin ball. But here comes one of my favorite words in scripture: it's the word but. But, even, that's, even though that's who we were, here's what's happened now because of Jesus. But God being rich, and everybody say it with me, and what? Mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, uh, it goes on to say, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Christ rose from the grave so that we can rise from our sin in our grave. By grace we have been saved through faith. It's gonna go on to say there. But it's mercy that got the ball rolling. God looked at us in our misery, and he says, "You know what? They can't do it for themselves. I'm going to have to do it for them." And his mercy was lavished on us. Now real quick, as I'm talking about this showing compassion thing, I want you to understand that mercy is an active thing. That's why I said, show active compassion. Lots of people in, in certain situations where they see that there, there's um, misery going on, they feel what's called pity. Anybody ever pitied somebody? Pity the fool. That's what Mr. T used to say, right? <laughs> pity, though, is a feeling. You don't, you don't show pity, you feel pity. You show mercy. And here, here's what's happening too often in our families. We pity those in our families. We look and see that, you know, they can't figure this out or figure that out or other people in our lives, and we, and we pity them, but we don't move. We don't, we don't move to make a difference in the life that they're living, to, to activate, because, and here's why. Well, because they're probably just going to rebuff us. It's my kid. He's not going to listen to me. He never listens to me. I'm not going to say anything now. It's just he's on his own. Or, you know, my wife and I, we've always been in, you know, this, this kind of silent war. And, and I, I could, you know, step in and, and, and be an encouragement to her in this way. But, you know what, I, I think I'm, I'm up a couple. And so I'm not going you know, to give her what she needs from me because I'm supposed to be getting something from her right now. So even though I feel bad for her, ugh, The bad doesn't outweigh my mad. And so, I'll feel pity, but I won't show mercy. Oh, no, 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 no. Christians, everybody look at me. Lean in. Christians don't pity. They show mercy. They don't stop at pity. They move into mercy quickly. Jesus told this parable about a neighbor. Remember one of the lawyers uh, that he was kind of Trying to be trapped by, you know, they were always trying to catch Jesus in His word. They came up to Him and they said, "Hey, what's the greatest commandment?" They thought maybe He'd give this kind of crazy answer and they'd be able to get Him. But Jesus gave them the only answer: "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love others as you love yourself." Or actually, He says, "Love your neighbor as you love yourself." This guy had some egg on his face. He's like, mm, "He got me." So he quickly, uh, trying to save face, and it says here in Luke chapter ten, desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, "Well, uh, who is my neighbor?" Maybe I'll get him on that definition. And Jesus, as he was wont to do, didn't give a quick definition. He told a story. Well, here's a parable for you. Familiar one to us. Jesus replies, a man was going down to Jerusalem from Jericho, uh, or to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him down, beat him, and departed, and they left him half naked. Now, by chance, the story goes, uh, a priest was going down that same road, and when he saw this guy, uh, he passed by on the other side. A priest, the most righteous and religious guy, and he was a a descendant of Levi. He was was the pastor of the day. He was supposed to do the right thing. He's probably just gotten done preaching the message on uh, reaching out and helping somebody. But here he comes down from Jerusalem, heading to Jericho, sees this guy by the side of the road, and scholars have often debated as to why he passed on the other side. Certainly the most obvious one is that he had just been in Jer- uh, Jerusalem. He was probably uh, ceremonially clean, which was what the Jewish law required. And so if you touched him up, maybe he thought the guy was dead. If you touched a dead body, you had to go all the way back to the temple, and and it would have been a huge pain, and he would have to re-cleanse and re-you know purify himself. Didn't want that. Maybe he looked, and because and I don't want to... Uh, get whatever here, but, uh, but the guy was stripped. Has everyone wondered why it says there in the story that Jesus mentioned that he was stripped? Well, it was probably because uh, maybe the priest saw that this guy was a Gentile. I'll let you do the math there. You know, the difference between Gentiles and Jews. Ask somebody. Anyway, uh, <laughs> maybe he saw that he was, he, was, he was a Gentile, and if he touched a Gentile, even if he was alive, he'd be unclean. Anyway, he didn't want to get dirty. He didn't want to inconvenience himself, not just with the time that it would take, but with all that would require for him to be righteous before God. And so, in the, listen, this is so crazy. In the name of honoring God, he ignored his neighbor. I'm so glad churches don't do that anymore. (laughs) That evangelical churches would never just sign off on a portion of the populace because they're dirty. And they don't deserve me or God's help. So glad that doesn't happen anymore. Is everybody picking up my sarcasm? I think it happens all the time. And we, for the sake of our cleanliness, refuse to show mercy. Uh, The story goes on. I'm not preaching this all all morning. But uh, another guy, a Levite, who was kind of like a priest in training. Uh, He was from the tribe, but maybe not yet a priest. He comes by, same deal, passes him by. But here he comes, Sam, the Samaritan, this half-breed, he wasn't encumbered by all the religious stuff. He was just kind of going down the road. And as he journeyed, he becomes the hero of Christ's story, which was always just angering, I'm sure, for the Jews who are listening. Uh, as he journeyed, he, he came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion, which is mercy, in another word. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds. He poured out oil and wine, which was kind of first aid at the time. He set, on him, uh, set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an end and took care of him. He went the extra mile a little bit later in the same sermon that Jesus is preaching in Matthew 5. He's going to say, if someone strikes you on the face, turn your other cheek to him. If he asks you to go a mile, go two. If he asks you for your coat, or your tunic, excuse me, for your undercoat, take uh, your tunic to it, which is basically undershirt, overshirt. His point, Jesus' point is, hey, you're in this life for them. You're in this life to care for them. And the world is so bent on caring for himself, caring for myself. It's all about me. Me, 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 me. And Jesus says, No, it's about your neighbor. And you do whatever you can do. It's about your wife. It's about your husband. It's about your sister. It's about your brother. It's about your kids. It's about your parents. He goes on and he says the next day he took out two denarii. Uh, Denarii was a day's wage. So whatever that is in your job, just calculate that out. He puts that on the table here at this, you know, uh, La Quinta. And he says to the innkeeper, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Here's my signature. Here's my card. Just whatever he needs. And then Jesus says this. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell amongst the robbers? And the lawyer was... uh, the one who showed him mercy and Jesus says yep you go and do the same not just the strangers on the side of the road but to the person sleeping in the bedroom down the hall we show compassion We sacrifice of ourselves it's what mercy requires it's not just something we feel and something we do my son Ben uh, uh, has moved away. He's living in Jacksonville now. He's adamant that we don't uh, assist him, which I'm so grateful for. I don't know what I did to, to like, uh, you know, uh, have that kind of kid at the age of 22. who's like, I don't want your money. I want to do this on my own. But good on me and Eleanor, right? That worked out, right? So uh, uh, he, he'll, from, from time to time, they'll all still act as his bank. If he's got access to money that he needs for his rent or for, like, now he's getting a new house with his buddies, and so he wants to make sure they have the down payment and stuff. So he'll send me money to hold for him, which I'm fine with, right? And he'll send me that money so he doesn't spend it on Taco Bell. Then every once in a while, because he's his father's son, uh, he'll he'll forget that he has another bill to pay, and he doesn't have enough in his own reserves to pay it. So he'll call me for some of this, you know, sacred money, and say, "Hey, I need twenty-five bucks for my part of the whatever bill." And so I'll send him twenty-five bucks. But here's what I'll do: It's Quick Pay. Is anybody use this Chase Quick Pay thing? It's beautiful. I will. I'll put an extra fifty in there. Why? Because I'm his dad. I love the kid. I'm all all up for him to have a burrito every once in a while on me, right? Go ahead. So I will try to sneak him an extra 50. And my kid is so uh, adamant, almost belligerent on not taking any of our money that he'll send it right back like in 10 minutes. (laughs) Nice try, Dad. Zip, right? And so finally, he did it a couple times, and I was like, oh, that's my boy. But then I was like, hey, wait a minute. I'm your dad. I want to bless you. So we got into an angry text discussion. (laughs) You're going to take my money. Not because you need it. Not because you asked for it. But because it's my privilege as your father to bless you with these things that God's blessed me with. I don't want to stop showing you compassion. I know that you don't have money. That's why you're asking for some from your stash. Take mine. Hit Taco Bell's drive-thru a couple times on me. It's a simple one. It's a silly one. But sometimes it will require more. Sometimes, uh, I pray not, but maybe your kid will be in the back of a cop car and he's going to need your compassion. Uh, Your your husband's going to come home and has lost his job instead of you freaking out on them ladies and wondering about your security and stuff like that. You can talk about that later. But first of all, show him compassion. In his misery, be his solution. And then finally, listen, show, me, uh, show, show mercy through com- active compassion, but then show mercy, I'm going to keep going. Uh, yeah, yeah, keep going. Uh, no, you went too far, Matt. Show mercy through forgiveness. Show mercy through forgiveness is what I want to talk about. Uh, if you don't hear anything else on this topic, let me just say it one more time. Forgiveness is who God is. God is a forgiver of our sins. He did it through Christ. He does it for you every day. If we confess our sins, John tells us, he'll be faithful and just. He'll forgive us our sins. and He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Someone say, yay! That's a good thing, right? God's a forgiver. But he wants those of us who have been forgiven to be forgivers as well. And there's nothing that holds the family back more than unforgiven sin. Bitterness is a family crusher. I mean, because we might say, listen, for the sake of the family photos and Thanksgiving and all the other things that we have to partake of together, we'll play nice, but in our hearts we smolder against the one who abused us as we grew up, uh, the one who broke our hearts when they stepped out on our marriage with someone else. There's all kinds of things that need forgiven in a family. And I'm not, listen, before I get too far in this, I'm not saying that you don't, Uh, build healthy barriers that you don't deal with sin. This is not a sermon on that, but certainly we want to deal in a healthy way with all the things that could, uh, you know, crush a family. So I'm not saying you turn a blind eye to sin, but I'm saying as you're working out the things that have come between you in your relationships, you default to the forgiveness that God has given you because God's a forgiver and so should we be. God, uh, Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter um, 6 and verses 11. He's, he's at halfway through the Lord's prayer and he tells them to give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, what? Our debts as we also forgive our debtors. It's, it's, it's a part of our prayer, the one that we were taught by Jesus. and Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. And then, then Jesus, he could have picked up on any of those aspects that he taught us to pray on praising the Father, on on God's will being done on earth as it's done in heaven. He could have talked about the daily bread. He could have talked about the temptation thing. But you know what he does here in the Sermon on the Mount when he's teaching his disciples to pray? He circles back to the forgiveness thing. You think maybe he knew we were going to have a hard time with that one? Here's what he says as he finishes talking about the Lord's Prayer. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespassers neither will your father forgive you yours now this is one of those things that Jesus says and we have a hard time with because what it just said there or what it seems to say there is that if I'm refusing to forgive other people he won't forgive me did, did everybody read that that's what it said we, we, we would come to Jesus and say, well, isn't that just like any of the other sins that you forgive? My, my unwillingness to forgive is a sin, and you forgive all sins, right? Well, apparently, this is one of those sins that Jesus kind of reserves is on the side here, and he says, hey, listen. I'm not saying that I won't positionally forgive you or that I, I'll, I'll remove salvation from you, but I want you to understand that true salvation and true life with me Comes with your understanding that you're a hot mess and need a forgiveness, and because I've granted you my forgiveness, you should live a life forgiving those who are hot messes around you and who need forgiveness. And if you've never understood that, maybe you haven't understood the gospel that I've given for you, and maybe you aren't a follower of mine. That might be what he's saying. He might also be saying: listen, if you're unwilling to forgive somebody, don't expect life to go well. And I don't want to make Christianity karma. Okay, but there is this principle in the scriptural, Scriptures that says uh, you will reap what you sow. And if you are unwilling to forgive, just know that that bitterness, that unforgiveness is going to bring forth a harvest in your life. It's going to keep your family, your marriage from being what it needs to be. And, I, could, man, I could stand up here. I don't have time to, but I could stand up here and I could uh, recount for you over my 25 years of, of being a pastor and a minister of, of the families who forgave and flourished and of the families who have yet to forgive and still just sputter along in the misery that bitterness and unforgiveness brings. Now, Like I said, I'm not saying that you just blindly forgive, you don't deal with your issues. you certainly want to you know uh, uh, deal with and listen we've got counselors here on our campus and pastors who would love to help you in your marriages or in your family relationships, parents, kids, whatever, work through some of the issues that need forgiving. but I'm here to tell you one more time, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been miraculously forgiven of your sin and you have been given the Holy Spirit whose spirit is forgiveness. And you are meant to give that forgiveness to other people, even those who live under your roof. So now, may you and I move forward in our lives in mercy. Why? Uh, What will God grant me and my family when I show mercy? It's in the verse. He shows mercy to those who show mercy. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Some of you need to have conversations today with people in your family. Forgiving conversations, some of them. Some of you need to go to uh, others in your family and you just need to confess and repent of the fact that you haven't cared enough lately. Maybe it's because you've been mad, maybe whatever, I don't know, busy. But you just haven't engaged and been there enough. Uh, families run on mercy. Mercy. And I pray that you're able to grant uh, mercy to your family in the same way that God has granted his to you. So we pray. Lord, thanks for your word and for your mercy. Uh, Help us to uh, dig into the one and to live by the other. Uh, Heal families here today, God. Heal marriages uh, that have been merciless for far too long. Uh, Grant us, God, uh, your mind and your heart for each other. And lead us by your spirit into the things that are you. And we know that you are merciful. Help us to be merciful to each other, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.